What is going on? Thank you very much for tuning in to the drop-in today. My name is Gerald Valley, and I really enjoy hosting this show. You know, if you've watched any of our past episodes, the guests just keep progressively getting better. The show... The focus of the show is to get you off the couch, and each guest brings a little bit of a different flavor to that. You know, you go back to Kurt David. He, he brings a totally different flavor to that, and we go to Mike Leslie from Candlebox. You can go back and listen to every show as many times as you want. Each guest brings us a different form of motivation, a different form of inspiration, and a different story on the, the way they their path uh, sort of took them in that direction. So make sure to check out some of our past shows. But before we go too much further, you know, uh, our sponsors are very important to our show. And with Play at the Plate, you know, they offer you an amazing, an amazing experience in a historical setting. So without too much more, let's check out Play at the Plate and see exactly what they're bringing to the table. Would you like to play some baseball? Do you still dream of playing on a major league field, experiencing the magic of places like Field of Dreams? For 15 years, Play at the Plate has been making dreams come true. Play at the Plate offers you the chance to play ball. Join us for a lifetime experience. Go to playattheplate.org or call Scott Green at 631-255-4475. That's 631-255-4475. Play at the plate. You know, if you're into baseball, you definitely want to check them out. You know, myself, I'm skateboard guy. I I love skating the legendary skateboard spots. And my guest today grew up skating those spots. I mean, we're talking about Del Mar in Michigan, endless summer. Those are the play at the plates of skateboarding. They're not there anymore. You can't go skate them. But my man Bill Toko did, and he is here today. So, uh, you know, uh, again, the guests keep getting better. With Toke, it's rad because I've known him for probably about 20 years. And so we have a, a personal connection we've we've grown together we've watched each other sort of come around and take some take some hits and come back come back at life and it's just been super rad but today I really want to dedicate this show to a mutual friend of ours and and a really a best friend to a lot of different people there's a gentleman named Ward Kramer and I met Ward in the early 90s maybe even before that I saw him skate when I was about 14 him Bill Danforth I think Jeff Kendall, a guy named Opie, came down to an ice rink near me, and I got to have my first brush with professional skateboarders, and, and Ward Kramer was there, and he had such a unique style, and his rock and roll, his frontside rock and rolls, nobody did Ward Kramer frontside rock and rolls, but it, we really, we, we, the early 90s, we started traveling together a little bit, and Ward started a company called Bonus, and the board, uh, the first board we had had a White Castle logo, because that's very Midwest, and I was one of his first riders. So he really gave me my start, my first board sponsor. I remember the day he gave me the my first board. We were in Kalamazoo and we were heading to Chicago. And it's just been amazing since then. Him and I and Dan Forrest skated this pool, this hotel pool in Ann Arbor, Michigan. The pool was 
legendary. I have a piece of the coping sitting at my mom's house right now. But Ward touched so many lives. And six years ago today, he decided that this earth wasn't uh, quite right for him. And he moved on to his next uh, next journey, the next step phase of his, uh, his life or whatever you want to call it. So I'm dedicating today's show to Ward Kramer. Again, he touched so many people. My man Xander was posting nonstop on Instagram today of pictures of Ward. This front side carve in the Louisville full pipe is one of my favorite pics of Ward. And uh, so today, dedicate this show to Ward Kramer. And I can't think of a better guest to have on the show because Ward was a big part of his life. Um, and I want to introduce each and every one of you to a very great friend of mine, Bill Toko. Bill, thank you so much for coming Thanks in today, man. Thanks for having man. me. I really appreciate it. You know, Ward did touch a lot of us. And, yeah. and for you, he was huge. Um, can you talk a little bit about Ward? Ward, known him since I was about nine years old. Met him at Endless Summer Skate Park. Actually, the very first time I met Ward was when I came to Endless Summer to skate the first time. Um, he was a part of this thing they had that was called Skate Patrol. So they had these vests on, and they would, you know, take care of the park and make sure all the kids were doing what they were supposed to. But one of the things is when a new kid would come in, they would see if he was okay on his board stable enough to be going in these different runs. So he brings me to the freestyle area, and I roll in there and do some kick turns. Oh, you're fine, you're fine. So that was the first time I met Ward. How actually. old were you? Probably uh, like about nine or ten. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Yep. Right on. Ward had such a unique style, and and he really he I didn't even realize how many people he really touched. You know, everybody he skated with, everybody he was around was influenced, inspired by mm -hmm. Ward Kramer. He did so much, and I'll never forget him, never, uh, forever. And it, it's awesome that we get to sit down, you and I together, it is. On, on this day. And you brought a little something that Ward did for yeah, you. Yeah, actually, he did one of my boards. Uh, he designed the graphics for Nomad. The Toko billboard. He came up with the whole concept. He said, I got something I'm working on. You're going to laugh, but it's good. <laughs> and he sent it to me, and I said, okay. I mean, I'm not into Taco Bell, the, obviously the food or whatever, but I'm like, this is brilliant. We got to run with it. And it, the board did real well. So, yeah, I remember. I mean, it's. Uh, Dan Ford sent itself, I think. Dan Danforth sent me that graphic over, and I'm like, "That is brilliant," but I didn't know Ward came up with the concept. Yeah, Ward did it. <laughs> that is that is a brilliant concept. Yeah. You know, for me, uh, Ward introduced me to Danforth, who has been like my big brother for a long time, and he's going to visit us in, in at the NRM studios very soon. But Ward did so much, and so this show is really dedicated to him. I mean, you know, you're going to blow our guests away because the stories and, and coming up, when I was laying out this outline to get it over to you, you know, I really wasn't sure how we could narrow it down into one hour because you and I have skated together for at least the last 15, 20 years, yeah. on and off, here and there. Um, prior to that, you know, uh, the stories and the journey could take up three hours. So why don't we get right into it? How'd you start skating? Where'd you grow up? And let's talk about that a little bit. Okay, how I started skating. Um, interesting story. My parents used to own a restaurant in Ypsilanti near Ann Arbor. Um, a lot of the bus boys that worked there skated. And one day I saw them in the back of the parking lot skateboard, and I'm like, yeah, let me try that. And uh, one of them or two of them, they were saying, you've never done this before? I said, no, never done this. And they were like, you're actually good already. And I had like decent balance, I guess, and stuff. And then when I tried it that day, I never stopped skating. 
and that was I was about seven years old, so it was about 1975. Never quit. Right on. I was just hooked. They stopped. <laughs> the guys who got me into it, but I kept going. But it was very popular at that time. That was when it was on Wide World of Sports. Skateboarding was everywhere. That was during one of the big peaks when it was a fad. So it was popular beyond belief back then. Celebrities were skateboarding. Christy McNichol, Farrah Fawcett. It was on chips. It was all over the place. Now, on some of these shows, I'm going back quite a ways. I'm a little bit older than you guys. So when I mention some of this stuff, people aren't going to know. But it's it was very popular at the time. And I just kept doing it. And then it went back into a valley. And that's how skateboarding's kind of been. And right now, it's high again. Yeah, that, Real high. you know, the, the late 70s moving into the 80s, it was out of control. It was really out of control. Tony Alva, um, a lot of those guys, the Dogtown guys, they started skating pools. It started uh, getting away from just flat ground or downhill. And now, all of a sudden, they're taking the surf style to transitioned walls and empty swimming pools. And that's when Endless Summer uh, was built. Now, that place, which I did not know till I was actually reading another interview with you, I didn't know Endless Summer was only one of four left yes. or around the country? Yes. I didn't know that. Yes. At the time, actually, there almost was five because the, the the turf, but that actually was closed at the time. So, Endless Summer, okay? Which and, is in Ro- was in Roseville. Roseville, Michigan. You got Kona, okay? Florida. Down in Florida, okay? Uh, Upland, Kona, Del Mar, Endless Summer, those four, that was it. That was it in the whole country. And at that time, skateboarding what is that, was at a low vertical skateboard. There was probably... 40 people in the world who skated vert at that time and I happened to be one of them and so it was a very strange era because if you saw someone skateboarding just even down the street you would stop your car and try to talk to that person because that's how rare it was now you, you you wouldn't do that obviously there's millions of people doing it and I talk a lot about the 80s like that. You know, when I started, I started about 86 or so, 85, 86. And at that time, I, I when I talk to the younger guys today, and I say, you know, if you saw somebody with a pair of Vans on, you were instant brothers because they had to search that out. If you saw somebody with a black flag shirt on, instant brotherhood because you couldn't go just to the corner you had to order, you had to search that stuff out. And it was the same way, I mm-hmm. believe, with you. Oh, yeah. Well, speaking of Vans, so... We were, me and Greg were just talking about this when we were hanging out with Steve Van Doren at that event. Remember the event that they had, Vans, down in Detroit? We used to have the ad that was in the magazine, and it would have this little order form. So you would have to pick out you know, what you wanted on like the side of the sole, what color uh, canvas you wanted, and you had to send that in by mail with a check or money order, and that's how you would get your Vans. You couldn't just walk up to a store and get Vans. There was no internet. So you had, that's how you had to get your vans back then. Yeah, so I would it go, was a little bit more of a adventure and a mission to get shoes that you could use to skate. Totally, and and with my paper route, <laughs> I would order because when I started ordering vans, you know, the different the popular colors are more expensive. You could get the ugly color for like thirty nine ninety nine. So I had these ugly high tops that were fluorescent yellow with a red stripe and a blue toe because they were cheaper. And I'd have to order them, you know, like uh, you know, 
eight to 12 weeks in advance and be duct taping, shoe gooing because I'd have to wait, you know, almost two or three months to get my shoes in. It was such a different time in skateboarding. And, and for you, starting a little bit before me, you know, I didn't get a chance to skate Endless Summer because once I started skating vert, they were just bulldozing Endless Summer. Yeah. So I didn't even see it. I did get a chance to skate the turf in Milwaukee about 91, 92. Mm. They opened it back up for a short yeah. period of time. But with you, you know, being a vertical skater, like you said, I I really didn't know that there was only like, you know, 40, 50 guys in the world. That's like, it. It makes at, sense. At tops, at most. And you are ripping. I mean, we have some photos of, uh, at that time from that era of skateboarding that are just really pretty crazy. This one is a basement shot. What is that? Uh, that's actually in my parents' basement. So in Michigan, obviously, in the winter, you're not going to be skating much outside. So we made ramps in my parents' basement. Ward used to come over to Danforth, and we'd make so much racket. I feel sorry for my parents, <laughs> you know, but we needed a place to skate, and uh, that's probably late 84 right there, so quite young. And see, yeah. that's rad for our viewers because there's, there's a, I know there's a lot of viewers here who have only seen you in uh, Transworld and Thrasher and stuff. For, so for them to see this, you know, uh, a young Bill Toko uh, with a giant trophy. What is that trophy, man? That's uh, from Endless Summer. That's uh, 83, I believe. So that board right there, if you had that board right now, and you know what board that is. That's one of Hawk's boards, his first boards. That's worth a lot of money. Um, very rare. Yeah. Very so. rare. And you can tell by the Rector shorts. <laughs> They're pretty short and an OP shirt. Yeah. Endless summer, man. I, I um you know, I saw some high eight video of it. Guys I knew used to sneak in there yeah. after hours, you know. This here, that's a nice shot. That's actually in the background, uh Al that you know from Chicago character oh, skateboards. Al yeah. Guy on the far right in the orange shirt and the yellow helmet, that's Steve Caballero. No way. Yeah, so he came to play with his band The Faction and there I am doing an Andrek below coping. That's how long ago that is. I was just a little kid, so yeah, he came and skated the park and he he demolished that that pool, man. I'll tell you, right it was on. amazing to see him ride. That was a right-handed kidney, and he was a goofy foot, so it really wasn't made for a goofy foot skater so much. But he destroyed that thing. That guy can skate anything, you yeah, know. He can. Uh, a, a lot of thoughts and 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 well wishes go out to Cab right now. He just broke his yeah. fibula. I saw that, so Cab get better really quick. Um, but that dude's an all-terrain vehicle, and he's not going to stop. What is he like, 54 now, and yeah, still like crushing 54, it? Yeah, 54, 55. Yeah. Crushing awesome. it. Um, but here's another sweet shot. These pools are gnarly, too. Yeah. How deep is that? Uh, Endless was about uh, 11, uh, 11 and a half, something like that. Yeah. So back, you know, that's pretty pretty deep. And it had uh, the other, actually, on the other wall was a little bit steeper, so there was actually more vert on the other side. So that's actually Danforth looking on and uh, finally starting to learn some airs over coping there. So it's an indie air. That's so rad. Yeah. So rad. I mean, yeah. for, and for you, the viewer, you know, this kind of history, you can't just get anywhere. You can only get it here on the drop-in on NRM. And to have Toko in here is such a huge honor of mine because of this history. We don't get to see this every day, and a lot of people don't talk about it. There's a handful of movies out there, but to know that Endless Summer was in Michigan, a, a state that gets pounded with snow, and we had one of four world-class skate parks in the early 80s. That says something. And how fortunate for you to pick it up at that time and then really have this freaking wonderland in Very your backyard. Lucky. Very lucky. You know? Yeah. And, and this backside boneless. Backside boneless still, to this day, is a tough trip. Yeah, that's 85 right there. That's actually... Uh, 
Mark, you know, Mark Mastantono. Mm-hmm. So we went out to watch the Del Mar contest. It was actually the contest that Hasoy won and beat Hawk at his home park. I mean, can you imagine that even happening, uh, really? And it, it did happen. And we were there to witness that. And I think I might have sent you a pic. And we're actually in the crowd. Hawk's doing an Andrek. And me and Mark are in the crowd. You can see us. I don't know if you got that one, but it's a crazy shot. Because I actually, what I did is I was watching a documentary about Del Mar. And they show Hawk go up and do a Andrek. And they they still frame it. And I'm like, there's me and Mark. Because we I knew where we were sitting. You know, actually, it was funny the way we got into that contest that day to watch is we went, we were there before it opened and snuck in and then hid, and then we just took our spots on the bleachers and watched the contest. And uh, it went late into the night, and Hasoy won. And when Hasoy was here a few months back at that Vans event, we had talked about the contest, and that it's was the crazy. first time I met him, actually. It's really nuts because I'm sure at that time, you know, uh, like for myself coming up, I never thought skateboarding would get to where it is today. And and it's it's nuts to think about how mainstream and how normal and how uh, so many people are are uh, embrace the skate culture. You know, coming up, it wasn't like that. And I'm sure uh, endless summer. I mean, it's not like there was 50 million people there every night. You know, oh, no. I mean, it was no. it was a popular thing, yeah. but it wasn't um, baseball or football or no. Pop Warner kind By of any stuff. Means, no. At that time, um, but how fortunate for you to have this this awesome place right in your backyard, and then to be able to go out to Del Mar and actually feel comfortable, probably because uh, you had it here, so you could yeah. go out there and it could translate well. Now, as you moved closer to becoming a pro, um, uh, amateur wins. Like, how did you how did you work up that food chain coming out of the Metro Detroit area? Uh, yeah, a little bit different than it is now. Uh, back then, you actually had to win contests <laughs> to turn pro. I know it's a little different now, and people have talked about that. So, um, basically what they do is in the NSA for vert at that time, they would break the country into all these different districts. So you'd have the East Coast, but you'd have like the Northeast Coast, the Southeast Coast, the Central East Coast, and they'd have all their districts depending on your address where you lived. So you had to place in the top 10 in these things. So if you place in the top 10 at your district contest, you'd move on to your regional event. So. Uh, the district contest for me, the first one was, happened to be in St. Louis, which actually was good for me because it was at this skate camp that I ended up teaching at. And I was teaching there while the contest was going to be going on. So I got to ride the ramp So for a while, so which is good. I got the ramp wired and ended up winning that. So then it meant I'm going to go to the regional. So then, 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 you had, then the, the country would shrink. So then I was going against guys from Texas and the whole middle of the country. That was an interesting one, too. And that I, I'm not going to say it was easy, this whole thing that was laid out. I had a lot of luck on my side. One, in the district contest, I was teaching at that skate camp. Okay, so I got used to the ramp. The regional contest that was in Texas, they had it in the skate park in Austin. I can't really say it was an, a skate park. They called it that. It was a trailer, <coughs> excuse me, that they sold, you know, boards and stuff in with like plywood going out into this dirt and then this, this metal ramp. Okay, so. Texas, the guys there are extremely advanced in vertical skateboarding. I mean, very technical, and these guys just don't fall. So I was going against Brian Pennington, one of the best skaters probably ever. Okay, so I'm like, oh, yeah, my work cut out for me. But the good thing, it wasn't in Houston at his home skate park. So that gave me a little bit of a, at least a more of a level playing field. And uh, the night before the contest, uh, Jeff Phillips, 
Presto Soul, best skateboarder ever, in my opinion. I agree. Was in my room and he said, look, to beat Brian, you're going to have to be really on. And I said, yeah, I know that. And uh, I ended up winning that contest. Uh, it was tough, tough contest. And then, so then that was the regional. And then finally it was the finals. So then it was everybody in the country shrunk down to like the top 30. So the top 30 who made it all the way to the finals, they were all great. Like I wanted just to place in the top 10 in that contest because all those top 10 like guys that were at that, it was stacked. And all those guys that were in that top 10 class ended up turning pro. So you had to take those steps in order to in order to climb the ladder and turn pro, you know? Well, and you bring up Texas. When I graduated high school, I took all of my graduation money, probably not the smartest thing in the world, but I paid for myself, my buddy Big Al, mm -hmm. and a gentleman named Hiroki who was in town from Japan for us to go to Houston and skate the skate park of Houston, yeah. that big blue ramp. Yeah. And it was the same kind of weird thing, though. I'm thinking world, I'm thinking crazy, big, a huge, like, just amazing place and you go to South Houston and you pull up and it's a house on a long lot and mm -hmm. there's all these ramps all the yeah, way to the back and this giant vert ramp in the back and it was just different because all I'd, all I'd ever seen is in the magazines so mm -hmm. I had this weird imaginative idea of what the skate park of Houston was yeah big ramp that big one there the kahuna they called it huge for at the time 10 foot transitions 2 feet of vert for back then 12 foot that's that's a big ramp yeah that's and the channel was over the top of yep. it. It was a big ramp. First ramp I ever did a hand plant on the coping was the big blue ramp wow, in Texas. Cool, yeah. um, but it, it was just a different kind of thing. You brought up Jeff Phillips. A totally different style of skateboarding. Yes. A different style yes. on a whole nother level. Yes. I mean, you could tell the Texas guys from anybody else. Craig yeah. Johnson. Power. Yeah. Power. That's a great Power. word for it. Yes. Definitely. Jeff Phillips, uh, he would land all four wheels down right below coping every time like that. Solid. Every time. Right below the coping. And just Power. phenomenal. I got to meet Jeff Phillips one time, and uh, we rolled into uh, Dallas. I believe that's what city his park was in. And we stopped by his park, and he was working on the ramps. Yeah. It was when it was a That real, was a good park, too. It was actually, a, I liked it. A real dip in skateboarding at that time. And he was just in there working, and we stopped in. I didn't even get a picture with him or nothing. I just said, hey, Jeff, what's going on? He's like, come back in a couple hours, and we'll be open. I'm like, cool. You know? Yeah. It was just, it was uh, everyday kind of thing. I mean, I you know, some people could sit here and say, oh, I'm this guy I met that guy a real nice guy uh, uh this guy's real jeff was actually and there's not i i'm not I'm, this is just like any other field I, there's not many people that are real real he's real the guy was real he told me we were in a, hanging out at surf ohio that contest the street contest that was mm -hmm. my first pro contest by the way it wasn't really a street contest back then i call it obstacle Hasoy and me were going back and forth that one night he's like no it's it's it was street style okay but it wasn't really you know actually street skating quite yet and he told me he's like look he's like these people all these people and he's giving me this like lecture we're going to swim in the pool at the hotel he's like he's like be yourself he's like don't you know fall for all this nonsense where you have to fit in with the crowd and he's like he's like you're cool with me i'm cool with you i don't if someone says something about you, do you think I care? He's like, I like you. So I really, I, a lot of stuff that he said to me, even though it was sparingly these little things, I really took it to measure and I listened to it. And the guy was a smart guy too. I think he was a little bit misunderstood as well, but very genuine and he's real, real person. Right on, right on. And again, like you said, I totally agree. Arguably the best vertical skateboarder ever to do, yeah. do it. I mean, his style was amazing. There's no other. 
no one else like him as far as style. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So as you're moving up, you know, we talked about the regionals and different things. You said your first pro contest was the Surf Ohio yeah. uh, street style contest. Uh, what? Where did it go after that? You know, okay, you well, backing pro, up, you, yeah, backing yeah, up a little bit before I turned pro, that amateur final. So, like I said, stacked lineup. Uh, I had to get in the. I wanted to at least place in the top ten. That's how good it was. Um, they changed the format a little bit. What it was, it was a head-to-head thing. So you would take your run, and then they would seat you. Okay. So it ended up funny was because the way it came out after your first run, it, it, it seated just like how the Austin contest went in the regional. I qualified third. Brian Nielsen, another GNS guy who was friends with Pennington, was second, and Pennington qualified first. So they would seat you. Okay. So. You would have to go against whatever person, you know, they would take the lowest against the highest scores. So the, it was a head to head thing. So if you lost your, your round against someone, you would go in the loser's bracket. I happened to be lucky enough to win all mine, so I, I skated less than some of the other guys. So at the very end, um, I mean, these if you go back and look at those top 10 people, it was crazy. Mike Crissini, Ben Schroeder, uh, Sergi Ventura. I mean, I can keep going. It's crazy. It's an all-star list. Yeah. At the end, uh, Cressini had. I had. I haven't. I didn't go. I didn't lose yet. So he had been in the losers bracket. So he was going to have to beat me twice for to to pull off the win. And that was just he ran out of steam, and I now, ended up winning. And uh, it was it was a crazy thing. Crazy now, how thing. did people feel about that? Because you know, right now everybody's up in arms about skateboarding being in in the Olympics. Now we're talking about what eighty seven here. Yes. And and there it's very structured. Regionals, you know, yeah. seating, all that stuff. And we're talking nineteen eighty seven. And many of the quote unquote traditionalists are are bad mouthing skateboarding being in the Olympics. I don't want to put you on the spot, but how do you feel about skateboarding being in the Olympics? Uh, I think it's probably uh, an evolution. I think that it's. I always thought it was probably going to be in the Olympics someday. It's an evolution. I mean, maybe the format you could say you don't like it or this and that, but as far as being in the Olympics, uh, you can't really stop a genie that's been let out of the bottle. Yeah, you really good, can't. Good and back quote. then, getting back to then, no one was really complaining about that because there wasn't really anything structured until they started this like vert series. The year before they did it in '86, and they had it in Anaheim, and they had it in conjunction with the pro finals. Okay, so people were kind of stoked that oh, they're actually doing something. People were stoked because the night before they gave us like this banquet and fed us like spaghetti. They put us up in hotels like that was unheard of for back then. You know, so people were kind of into it because I think it was just the start of like oh, they're doing something for us. So people were into it. They weren't against it. See, and I think that's rad. Because yeah. for me, the Vans Warp Tour, their yeah. amateur showcase, yeah. that put me on the map, on the national map. To be able to win that 97 and 98 and go out to California and compete against people from all over North America, really, Mr. Van Doren, I thank him every time I see him because Vans doing that gave me a national stage to compete on. So I was all into it. I was into winning contests, and that's how I became pro. I won. I didn't lose an amateur contest yeah. for two years. And very similar, I was a vert skater, and then the street contest became obstacle courses yes. with transition. Yes. I could skate faster and bigger than most. and I, So I started winning street contests, yeah. competing street. Mm-hmm. Very similar evolution for yeah. me, as you talked about. Yep. And so how did you finish at the uh, amateur finals that year? I won. Yeah, I won. So... And so number one in the country, yep. and then at the time, you know, you're riding for GNS at that time? Yes, I was riding for GNS um, Gullwing, which I was riding for since, like, late 84. That was one of my first sponsors. You still ride Gullwing? <laughs> still ride Gullwing, excuse me. 
And um, I rode for Airwalk at the time, and I rode for Hosoi Wheels. Oh, Rockets. right on. Yeah. That's yep. a, st- that's a, I mean, again, at that time, there was less than a dozen big skateboard companies. There was, it was such a, a smaller pool that if you were a pro, it was a big deal to get your name on a skateboard where now, even when I, when I turned pro, there was a bunch of little companies popping up mm-hmm. and things like that. But when you turned pro, that was huge. I mean, one of less than a hundred people yeah, in the world yeah, yes. to have a pro skateboard. Yeah. And so you turn pro and do you get to compete pro or how, how what happened yeah, after your model? Pro, I mean, out? it's kind of like, you know, you kind of pick and choose what events you want to do. And your first mo- model, the legendary graphic. Yeah. Came out real well. I, I, I think again, luck sometimes has a lot to do with it. I was getting a lot of coverage at the time. I won that finals and back then, see, there was no internet. People would wait for that magazine to get on the on the on the shelf or in their mailbox, and if you had got coverage, your board would sell. Now, luckily, I had a good graphic. I had uh, Mike Wilmot, this guy who was an artist who was doing my graphics. He did album covers for Prince and Molly Crew. He did great artwork, so I had good concepts, and then he made the artwork just come to life. And I had decent shapes; they weren't like weird or kind of strange and stuff. So well, and the octopus graphic tying it into the whole Red Wing playoff yep, octopus yeah, arm thing—that's yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. So back in the day, in the early '50s, when there was only six NHL teams, it took eight playoff wins to win the Stanley Cup. That's where the whole octopus thing comes from. Not many people know that. I did explain it in that one article I just recently did with that uh, interview I'd sent you. So kind of explain that whole deal. And again, how the weird uh, synchronicity. You know, my first pro model had a Frankenstein head on it, and in the silhouette of the moon was the Stanley Cup. Because yeah, hockey was my first love. There so you go. It was my personal Stanley yeah. Cup to get my I, name. I on did a it more or less to give a little bit of a Detroit flair to it without being overtly like uh, you know having to put Detroit on it, but. Although, if you see on one of those buildings, and that is supposed to be the Renaissance Center, it says Motor City on it. So, and I took that and did that with uh, kind of the sort of the reissue that Modern did, Modern Skates. So. Which happens to be the board I'm riding right oh, now. Oh, cool. Um, but you also had the guns, Gunslinger graphic, which I think is a rad graphic. Yeah. And you brought one with you today. Yeah, I did. And that was another Mike Wilmot um, art piece uh, from, you know, did all those famous art stuff for different albums and, yeah. And see, I love that graphic, and they don't talk. Nobody talks about that one that much. I'm glad the new board you're coming out with is a collaboration and combination of yes. both of those that yeah. Phil Stone's doing. Yeah, Phil Stone. I can't say enough about him. He's an amazing artist. Lives here in Detroit. Does stuff for Cartoon Network. All kinds of big companies all over the place. He's awesome. So the concept was basically the octopus and this gunslinger fighting it out, kind of like rival graphics battling each other. So that's going to be the new one that's coming out soon. Um, so, hopefully that'll be out in the next month. That's Character Skateboards in Chicago. Uh, you can check it out. So And see, Al Batella, Al from Char- Character Skateboards, we ran into each other. He was in town for the House of Vans event that you brought up earlier, uh, and I ran into him. I remember the day I met Al Batella. I met him down in my hometown of Riverview, Michigan, about 20 minutes south of Detroit, and he came, and he had these Billy Ruff shapes uh, that he put his own graphics yeah. on. And I bought one. It was like 35 bucks. I bought one. Yeah. I thought I was the coolest guy this side of you know the Mississippi by purchasing one of those, and it blew his mind that I remembered that day. Yeah. And it was really cool to see him. That character is still doing stuff out of Chicago and putting out this new board for you. How rad is that? Yeah, I'm 
excited about it. You know, you brought some other decks with you because over the years, um, uh, different companies have done different things with you. You know, yeah. I, I love the Yoda graphic. Yeah. And uh, why don't we show our viewers some of the other boards you brought, yeah. and you can talk about them a little bit. This is one that was out on uh, Legion Skateboards. Uh, Greg Fidel, uh, famous uh, local Detroit artist, and a friend of mine did this. Aliens in the D. Uh, I like that. It's one of my favorites, actually. I remember when that one came out too. I'm like, the concepts are just so different. Yeah, and I he like that. He actually shot that as a photograph. Those are actually two plastic heads, and he set the whole backdrop and shot it. And uh, it's just basically a photograph. Right on. Yeah. So the second one we did in that series was uh, actually this is a picture of me uh, wearing a hoodie and dressed up in a Yoda mask with this rifle, and uh, he again photographed me and then put it into like artwork here, and. Um, we call this one Beyond Failure. So when people think about that concept, Beyond Failure, they think, oh, man, that, that sounds kind of negative. But what it is, it's actually a positive, and I'll explain that. So Beyond Failure, that's like when you basically go to the point of failure where you can't do any more, but then you go beyond that and you do more. So it's actually a positive, not a negative. See? I love it. Yeah. I love it. You know, that graphic, personally, is one of my favorites that ever came out. You know, when I first saw it, you you got to think for a second. You're like Yoda with a shotgun. Like, what what's going on here? Yeah. And I like that part of it. Yeah. And Fidel is legendary. Hopefully, we get him in studio at some point yeah. because him and I have been skating together since about '92. He really helped me with my vertical skating, skating sports afield in Tecumseh, Ontario, yeah. which is about a half half hour, 45 minutes just outside of Windsor from the Ambassador Bridge. Uh, we're very fortunate here in Detroit that it's an international crossing 20 minutes down the road. We had a vertical ramp in, in Tecumseh, and it was a very weird time for vert skating at that time because nobody did it. It would be him and I on that ramp all the That's time. That's it, yeah. And, um, and he's just an amazing photographer, mm -hmm. professional downhill skateboarder. Yeah, I mean, he was at time uh, like top three in the world for that. Yeah. And, yeah, so. And he shot any time I had to get come out with a poster, cover of a magazine, anything, Fidel shot it. Yeah. And just recently, he's one of the architects behind the huge new ramp at Modern. I mean, the dude is yeah. still on fire. Yeah. And and so rad to, that he's still skating, you're still skating, I'm still skating, yeah. still pushing our own personal envelopes, really. Mm -hmm. And and it's not a dress rehearsal. I say it all the time. I want you to remember this forever. This life is not a dress rehearsal. You get one shot. And if you don't make the most of it, it's your own fault. So get off your damn couch and experience life, every inch of it experience it. Whatever you want to do, go do it. You don't know how to ride a bike? Learn how to ride a bike. You want to ride a skateboard? Learn how to ride a skateboard. Get off your butt and make life happen. And my guest today, Bill Toko, is doing that with every facet of his life. From starting skating when it wasn't really that cool to uh, becoming pro when it was difficult. I mean, becoming a pro skateboarder in 1987, 88, 89, that was more difficult than playing an arena rock show, really. The numbers were so much smaller, and it was such a different kind of environment. So you turn pro, you have the, the two rad graphics. One is iconic. I mean, I don't even know what it goes for on eBay today, but it's one of those boards that people are searching for. The octopus graphic is iconic. So what happens? You turn pro. What happened then? You had a tough go of it with your knee bones. Oh, uh, yeah. After that um, first, um, whatever you called, street style. I'll tell it since the soy likes that. Uh, I ended up playing a place in fourth there. 
So it was funny because then when it was street style, you'd get all the vertical guys coming and then the guys that were just street. So it was a lot of people. I got 60 people, whatever it was. So after that, uh, continued to progress at vert. And then I did have a bad, bad knee injury. I pretty much tore everything you can tear in that left knee. So that kind of put a damper on things. I was out for about a good year, come back with a brace, and it was never really quite that the same. So entered a few contests after that vertical and kind of slowed down after that a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, I want to bring up a, a picture. You sent me a picture, and I couldn't figure out where we were going to actually put it into the interview. And I'm like, you know, I'm we're not gonna, sure which one you're talking we're, about. We're going to drop it in between uh, the knee injury and, and moving forward with where you're at now. Because I definitely want to donate quite a bit of this to War Room Nutrition, to oh, what okay. you're doing now. You're really crushing it locally. I just ran into a young lady yesterday, and we were down. Uh, in Novi, and she was pretty buff. She, you know, I'm like, oh, she looks like some of the girls I see Toco training. And I mentioned to her, I asked her where she's from. She was from Saginaw. And I said, you know my friend Bill Toco, and her name was Sarah Fector. Yes. And she is she is fit. She is she, built. Yeah, she's amazing. Rad personality, cool chick. And she's like, of course I know Bill Toco. And she has a real successful business there, too. Yes. Huge it, studio that she trains people out of and does all these classes. It's it's a big thing over there. Yeah, yeah and she, well. she was just a rad chick. She had nothing but great things to say about you. But this picture, can we get this picture of, uh, it's Toke, David Faustino, and uh, a dude from Austin 90210, Green. Brian Austin Green. What, is, what, what was going on at this time <laughs> okay. in your life, Toke? <laughs> so, <clears throat> excuse me. Actually, I was rehabbing my knee, actually, at this time. So, I had an agent in L.A. I had all kind of media people working for me, so... While in my downtime, because I couldn't skate right at that point as much, I did some stuff with acting. So this actually was a video shoot for this guy here that's on the far uh, right of us. Um, his name was Alphonse Jones, and he was some like R&B guy. And this is actually on set uh, music video for this guy. And uh, I started doing stuff with some of these guys. And later, earlier in the day, we had done some uh, TV spots for Against Gang Violence, PSAs. And... Uh, that's how I met these guys, and we became friends. And uh, at the time, their shows were both on. I mean, especially Married with Children was like huge right then, mm -hmm. huge. And uh, earlier in the day, we did a couple uh, different PSAs. They were all gang violence related because that's it was pretty heavy back then, as far as Bloods and Crips and all that. And what is LA. this about eighty eight? 89? Uh, yeah, 88, somewhere around there, 89, yeah. And those guys, I mean, yeah, Faustino, Married with Children, was huge. Huge, I mean, huge. Everywhere. I think they even had, like, toys and Toys R Us and action figures yeah. and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, and actually, the one that we did earlier in the day was a special one for me because one of the actors that was in it with us that was cool, his name is Cy Richardson, and he's actually been in, he was this black guy actor, awesome, uh, Repo Man, he was in. Uh, they Live, which was one of my all-time favorite movies. Love that movie. And he was in Colors. No way. And I think that's why they got him, because that's a gang-related type movie. And he was, like, the coolest guy. Yeah, coolest guy. Cy yeah. Richardson, look him up. Good actor. Good guy, too. And Repo Man, legendary. They Live, I think, is way underrated, because, uh, you know, everybody sort of talked a little bit bad because it was Roddy Roddy Piper, but the concept is brilliant. It is on point. It was ahead of its time. Totally. If you look at things now. <laughs> completely. Yeah. Completely. But this picture, when you sent this over, I'm like, I gotta ask about that, because, uh, again, at that time, there was probably 40 pros in the world. 
um, they, you guys were rock stars. I mean, Gator was on MTV with Downtown Julie yeah, Brown. Yeah. Hosoi was all over the place. Hawks doing things. And if anybody wanted a skateboarder in Hollywood, they had a very short list of yeah. maybe, maybe 10 guys who were actually good looking. Could skateboard well, yeah. you know, and, and and show well on camera, and so that I'm not very surprised that you're involved with these guys because yeah, at that it time fun. it was a very short list. It was fun, very short list. So how do you go from there? Because we're going to sort of fast forward. We're going to have to do a couple shows, Toke, because we're going to sort of skip past the '90s when you and I were skating airborne together yeah. and we were skating backyard. The '90s ramps. was a weird. Weird time. <laughs> Davo's mini ramp. I mean, we skated a lot of places <coughs> together, but I really want to talk about what you're doing now because with War Room Nutrition and the people you're training, uh, you're really, uh, I mean, transforming people's lives, really. And and so how did you get into bodybuilding at all, man? It seems strange to me. Okay, actually, yeah, that whole thing was um, basically when I was rehabbing my knee. I was rehabbing my knee in Venice, California. Uh, Gold's Gym was one of my sponsors. So I had access to a couple of these top nutritionists. Actually, one of them that used to have an office there. Still doing it today. And he's amazing, Chris Aceto. So I got to pick all these guys' brains. And I always was fascinated with nutrition and different training techniques and stuff. Because I looked at it more kind of an art thing. Because you can take your body and kind of mold it and change it. Not so much like the working out aspect, but just that you can physically do things and change your body. So I wanted to learn as much as I could, and I used that later on to start training people and do prepping people for physique competitions, men and women, all different disciplines. And uh, it just, you know, since 2015, I've been doing that full time, and it's taken off pretty good. Well, very and I, fortunate. I pay attention to your Instagram, your social network, and stuff, and the people you are training. Like some of these, especially the young ladies. Yeah, holy! Very fortunate. I've been lucky to work with some amazing athletes. I mean, they're crushing it, yeah. and then you're, you know, in amazing shape as well, and still skating. Like I actually showed a picture, one of your photos, to a friend of mine, and they're like, "He still skates?" I'm like, "Yeah, he still skates." And they're like, <laughs> "Like that?" And I'm like, "Yeah." I'm a still- little downsized now on purpose, so it's you know easier to skate when you're a little lighter. So, but you're still ripping. You're training yeah. people. You're inspiring people. People to be the best they possibly can be. Um, you know, coming in the studio, we were talking beforehand and we were talking about just staying fit. You know, I said, you know, I, I need a better diet. I take pretty good care of myself, but I need a better diet. And we got on the subject of CBD, which um, yeah. you you brought a, a gift for me. Yeah. And, and what what is your take on CBD? Because I did a lot of research for the last three, four months. I've noticed Bucky Lassick's using it. Mm. A lot of guys who are getting up there in age, you know, who've lived a, an active lifestyle are really, really into it. Tell me about your story with these guys here, uh, this Revive Remedies. Yeah, I'll get to that. So how I kind of started with the whole CBD thing is I used to read about it and uh, about two, two and a half years ago. So I said, I want to experiment with some different CBDs. I tried different oils, different waxes and such. So um, I've been trying various products. Okay. So now how I got hooked up with these guys is I I talked to someone at this company where they uh, extract all the cabinoids and all the different oils from the hemp and marijuana plant. So they have an actual machine that does all this work. It's an amazing process with this new machine. So I said to myself, these people have to know some of these vendors that they work for that are getting the CBD oils. They must know who has the highest potency, uh, the best products on the market. And they had recommended this product to me. I tried it, and from the onset, right away, I could tell a big difference. 
So obviously it was the purity. So it's called Revive Remedies. Um, I like the CBD oil. I gave you the cream to try. But I could tell from the first time I took it, my inflammation was just like, I had my elbow was inflamed the first night I took it. Not only did I sleep amazing, but my, I woke up, my elbow felt amazing. So now I didn't get that same effect with all the different brands I was trying. So I knew that there was something special here. So they're actually, I didn't know this either. They're based in Michigan. I didn't know that. So I recommend it highly. Actually, that has been a big game changer for me, the way I feel, because I've battered my body. And I actually, you know, I was feeling a lot of stiffness and soreness even before I was 20, because when you, I grew up skating that pool, that's cement, you know, and you're constantly running down that transition or your knee sliding. I mean, for hours and hours a day, I'd get dropped off there and I'd be there the whole day until it closed. So, you know, you get arthritis. I got arthritis in my ankles from that. That's from that pool, skating that. So this product and CBD in general, when it's obviously correct and it's pure, and it's a good quality substract that you're using, It's you're going to see a difference. And I, by far, think that their stuff's the best revive. And I got a discount code. If anybody wants to use it, it's TOCO15. But I believe in stuff. I've had so many offers to, like, rep different products. And this one I tried, and I liked it, and I reached out to them. And I told them, look, if you guys want to do something cool, if you don't, I'm still going to buy your product. That's how good it is. Right on, right on. That's how and, good it is. And I mean, I can't think of a better representative because, again, like you said, you know, growing up as a skater, we take some serious abuse. Abuse that's not the same as other sports, as football, as baseball. It's a different kind of, of physical activity when you're a skateboarder. And so uh, the, the wear and tear is a little bit different. And then bodybuilding. Not to mention, you still skate. I mean, we I hadn't seen you in a minute. We were skating that new vert ramp down at Modern in Royal Oak, Michigan. Yeah. And then I hadn't seen you in a minute. And we ran into each other, started talking. And you uh, had a minor tear in your meniscus. Yeah, is that correct? Yeah, about uh, 11 weeks ago. So I just actually last week skated Rich's ramp in Port Huron, which is identical to the vert ramp at Modern. And it, I had a brace. It seemed everything went fine. I skated again Modern. And so far, so good. So it's not quite 100%, but about 90 Right on. So it's good enough to start back. And then um, it, it, it's rad because now we're getting outside again. You know, we we're, we are getting uh, in in the uh, southeastern Michigan. We are so fortunate right now. We are having cement parks going up everywhere. We have a vert ramp in Royal Oak, plus Rich Pond's ramp. He's in, he's in Port Huron, Michigan. It's in his backyard. It's a private ramp. He can't just go and skate it, but he has a huge event every August called Party at the Ponds, and it is a backyard party. Last year, I was there just doing some interviews. I had a broken leg. I was on my little scooter. I remember scooter. that. I saw some of those interviews. Yeah, I was on my little scooter, and this year, we might bring out the NRM guys, my buddy Corey Stewart, who was my guest last week on the show. Maybe I can get him to follow me out with some cameras and stuff and do some interviews because Michigan skateboarding is so strong right now. People like Rich Pond, like yourself, like Greg Fidel, George at Modern. We have some really, really solid people. Rob at Plus. Uh, just some people who are in it because it's fun. In it because they love it. Not in it because it's get rich quick and get the hell out. Yeah. And so we have such a, a, a strong skate community here in southeastern Michigan and all over Michigan, really. I mean, we really do. And like... You're still skating. Fidel's still skating. We brought up Steve Caballero, 54 years old, still ripping. And he's not only skating, he's tearing it up. He's ripping. He's tearing it up. 
and and so it's different. It is totally different. T- uh, Tony Alba's still ripping. Lance Mountain. Oh, shredding. Just won that uh, Vans thing. So. Yeah, he run the, won the Protect yeah. pool party. Yeah. And these guys show no signs of slowing up. Yeah. I blame my longevity on transition. I didn't have to jump down like 55 stairs, jumping down handrails. Jamie Thomas, who is one of the most legendary street skateboarders of the last 20 years, I don't think he can do it anymore. You know, he jumped down the biggest stuff. That takes its toll. Growing up skating transition, I think that helps with the longevity of it. Uh, and, and the proof is in the pudding. You're still skating after how many years? 40 years, you know? Uh, more, 43 about, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and, and now... Uh, training people. I mean, that has to take its toll on its body, or on anybody's body, really. And and to have somebody to show you the proper way to do it, that's it key. Is huge. Key. Is yeah. huge. Um, how do people, if they would like to contact you, maybe for a consultation, maybe to talk about nutrition, all that stuff. What's the easiest way for uh, people to get a hold of you? Uh, warroomnutrition.com or warroom at warroomnutrition on Instagram, and I post all my clients up there. You can see videos of them training. And like I said, I'm lucky to be working with uh, the amazing athletes I have. And what's that one young lady, Shannon Fierce? Uh, Shannon Seeley, yeah, but that's, yeah. So she's uh, real close to being turning pro. She's a physique competitor. I have a pro bikini girl, amazing. She's a master's class and open competitor, Raquel Long, uh, Kayla Anderson. I have a lot of good, I'm blessed, say that. And where do you work out of? Uh, Royal Oak Gym. How ironic. Right yep. next door to Modern Skate and Surf. Yeah, and uh, a quick caveat on uh, Modern Skate, getting back to the ramp. Rich is building a mini ramp in my backyard, and guess what? It's not for me. It's for my wife. No way. So she started skating about a year ago, and uh, even if I'm if I'm too tired, she's like, I'm going. I'm going to Riverside. Get out of my way. So it's kind of cool to see that. Kind of yeah. cool to see that. Very so cool. He's I, building her a ramp, so that should be cool, too. I met her over the winter, and I didn't know it was your wife at the time. Yeah. And and I just, like, Brad, it's cool. It's always cool to see girls skating. And, and she was uh, skating the six foot. Yeah. And I introduced myself, and she told me who she was. And I'm like, man, that's even cooler, you know? I can't think of a better person to uh, be married to than the Bill Toko. I mean, <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah. She'll <laughs> probably beg to differ. <laughs> but I think with girls in skateboarding, I think... Uh, I think for me, that's a big breath of fresh air coming into skateboarding. You have a different uh, genetic makeup. You have a different way of looking at things. That can translate into a whole different artistic expression, different way to do tricks. To me, women in skateboarding, how big it is right now and girls, I think to me it's a hugest breath of fresh air. I love it. I think it's I think it's amazing. Yeah, I, think, I really uh, do. I think Letitia Buffoni just won the Shanghai X Games, and that girl rips. Like oh, there! It's amazing, man. Now, so talented. Yeah. And 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 really, I see it very soon where some of those girls, Alyssa Steamer tried um, to do it, uh, but I think some of those girls are going to give some of the boys a run for their money. And yeah. Oh yeah, I can see that easily. And and it's easily what, a lot. What you said, the creativity and the mm-hmm. different view, the different perspective yes. on what they're doing. And it's you now. You have these girls breaking through, like say on vert and stuff, and it's like a four minute mile. No one thought that was possible. They saw someone do it. Now these girls see other girls doing it. It's going to be easy for them. Right. Easy. And like I said, it's a huge breath of fresh air and a different whole 
perspective having girls in skateboarding, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm seeing more and more. Here in Michigan, we have the girls shred, and it's yeah. once, a, once a week they're somewhere. Mm -hmm. They are either in Ann Arbor, they're in Royal Oak, they're at some outdoor park, and it's 20, 30, 40, 50 young ladies mm -hmm. getting together. Young girls, I mean, you see them five years old, you see them 50 years old getting out there, helping each other, and ripping, and it's awesome to see. A Positive Seed is a rad company by Christiana Smith, and yeah. she's out there all she's the great. time. She's great. She's cool. Yeah, she's friends with uh, April. Yeah, she's just yeah. a just a cool chick with a great attitude and a rip and skate style yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as your skate career, any highlights that uh, stand out any more than any anything else? Oh, Jeff, definitely those am that amateur finals. Yeah. Definitely for sure. I mean, that was uh, like I said, I wanted to get in the top ten, and I kept saying. I remember Billy Ruff was on the deck, along with uh, our team manager for GNS, Henry Hester, who's a legendary old skateboarder, downhiller in his mm -hmm. own right. And I kept saying, oh, if I lose this matchup, I'm I'm at least going to get fourth. And they're like, you're going to win. So it was pretty cool to win that whole thing. It was amazing. And I guess uh, a real quick uh, portion of that was uh, Danforth was in Germany at the time when I won that. At, uh, it was a big distributor back then, Titus. Yep. Titus yep. Skates. And he said that he was in their office and this the fax machine, he could hear it going off. And it came through and it said Toko won the amateur finals. That's how he found out. He had to go through the yeah, roof, Yeah, so it was kind of cool. Yeah. That was a cool story. I didn't know that until he told me, yeah. Yeah, he, he Bill, uh, you know, he's another one. You know, we started with Ward Kramer, and Bill and Ward were great friends. And Bill is, he, he, he's been huge in my life uh, from every part of it. The first big amateur contest I won and I was going out west, he went with me. He was, he's been huge. I still talk to him about once a month. If I have to pick his brain about anything, see when he's coming in town. And he has touched so many lives. You got to grow up with him skating at Endless Summer and see really the evolution of Bill Danforth. Yeah, it was a whole different era back then, let me tell you. I mean, uh, growing up at that skate park, you be, if you were in that clique, you became a man quick. Yeah. Very quick. It was a very aggressive um, group of people. I mean, punk rock was huge at the time, and, and Detroit had one of the best scenes in, anywhere in the world at that time. So, you know, we were going in to see these shows, and I everybody had a fake ID because you weren't old enough to get in. And I was going to these shows when I was 13 and 14. And a matter of fact, Chris Obi Moore, you know, original drummer of Negative Approach, he had to get sneaked into some of these uh, gigs that they played, and he was the drummer because he was only 14 in this band. And that band, I mean, they're still going, and they're huge all over the world. And we're going to close, since you brought up Opie, we're going to close with a story that you may not even remember. But Opie, about 10 years ago, Opie was playing down near Wayne State, and you were playing music with him. Yes, and we opened said, up for him. You said, hey, G, come here. I need you to stand next to the stage, because I'm going to hand you my guitar. Oh, I do remember that. And, and yes. I'm going to go ballistic. And I'm standing next to the stage. Weapons in Space was the band. Yep. That I, yes. And I have no <laughs> clue what's going to go on. Toke just comes up and he's like, gee, I need you to stand right there. I'm going to hand you my guitar. And they do Cop Killer. A Western version yeah. <laughs> that I wrote in Sean Snow's basement. A matter of fact, if you remember that guy. I talked to him all Ice, the time. Ice-T. I, 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 I reworked the lyrics and made it to a country-western thing. It was yeah. Actually, I have that recorded. I have, we made an album. I'll have to bring that in next time. We have to do another show yeah. because it, all these little stories, which I know you guys are loving. I'm loving it, too. I hope you're having a good time here, Toke. Yeah. But there's so much more to each story. We just hit the tip of the iceberg. But I just want to thank you for coming in 
in, uh, spending time with us here at NRM Studios. Again, please let our uh, viewers know where they can get a hold of you uh, if they would like to get some training, some nutrition. Uh, maybe just pick your brain about uh, skateboarding. How can uh, they get a hold of you? WarRoomNutrition.com or uh, DM me on at uh, WarRoomNutrition on Instagram. And make sure to follow him on Instagram uh, because uh, constantly I'm seeing you training people, putting up videos, putting up tips. There's a lot of information and content there of what you're up to. Yeah, and, and you can follow all my athletes and their trainers, a lot of them too, in their own right. So. They have a lot to offer as well. And we're going to see some more skating from Bill since he's getting uh, the knee back in shape. And I'll tell you what, you've never seen the power till you show up at Modern or anywhere and watch him ride a ramp because the ramp... Uh, the ramp gets a workout when Toke rides. Everything is commitment, commitment, commitment. It, it is a pleasure for me to be able to skate and watch that because I'm not like that. I'm not all commitment all the time. And Toke, if he's in it, he's in it. It's going down. But with that, I just want to thank everybody for tuning into the drop-in today. You know, this show just keeps, keeps getting better. The guests continue to grow. And today, with Bill Toko, you heard the history of skateboarding. You heard so many great stories of how he got to where he got to and what he did after that. What he did after that, which the passion, the drive, the, the focus, and now he's training world-class athletes to complete, compete across the world in whatever they feel like doing. And again, the body is a work of art, and, and it's just awesome. So thank you very much for tuning in today, and I will be back next week with another inspiring motivational uh, guest. So get off your couch, make life happen, and thank you very much. I'll be back very soon.